0: The scripture reading today is taken from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 31a. For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the, bo- the, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts? this is the word of the lord you may be seated
1: you're being seated let me pray for us heavenly father we are very thankful for your word we know that uh, the word is a light to us it's a two-edged sword penetrating our hearts and lord i pray as the word is spread this morning in the seeds of our heart, that it would reap a harvest, that it would bear fruit in our lives and in the city, I pray this in your name, amen, amen. Well good morning, um, I want to begin by just making an excuse for my voice, uh, for the last three days I've not been able to speak. And so, it's a minor miracle in itself that um, I'm able to speak to you this morning. Um, And so, if I seem uncharacteristically muted and not uh, over the top, it's not because I'm not excited to be here. It's because I'm hoping to get through the end of this message. as i i don't know if i said this my name is john by the way for those of you that don't know me i am the executive pastor at Christ city um, and what that means is i get to work across all three of our neighborhood churches my family we worship at south vancouver but i get to work across all three of our uh, neighborhood churches in the network i get to work with brandt and with alvin and with andrea and i also get to work with doug Where's Doug? Doug's there. Uh, Last time I was here, I forgot Doug in that list. Uh, I forgot he worked with me. Um, No, uh, I know he holds a grudge, so I thought I'd say that, you know, that's how a character he is. Um, No, Doug, I, I love you. I appreciate you. I see you and I know how you love to be center of attention. Um, Doug, if you don't know, is not only an elder at this church, he also uh, heads up our fantastic biblical counseling ministry, uh, which is uh, truly a gift to the network of churches. Um, but I just want to say this about Doug. There is a danger in hanging out with Doug. Um, this is a warning for you if he ever invites you for lunch or coffee. Um, that um, Doug is one of those rare people who, who genuinely cares about the state of your soul. And uh, so you're not going there for a light-hearted conversation about just anything. Uh, he is going to ask you some of the most penetrating questions that get beneath the issue. Uh, you thought you were talking about something, and he is pointing out the idols uh, underneath what you're talking about. Now I mention this because I want to embarrass Doug. Um, no, I want to embarrass Doug. He he he. Um, saw me this morning and he embarrassed me and said i'm getting rather great which is not a way to encourage someone as they come and serve your neighborhood church but i want to embarrass God, uh, uh, doug but i also um i wanted to say this because over the last three weeks we've been talking about spiritual gifts haven't we We're talking about spiritual gifts which i'm sure has been extremely interesting as you've um, talked about them not just here on a sunday but in your community groups uh, lots of healthy vigorous conversations um, but i want to propose this morning that while this chapter speaks about spiritual gifts, it's not simply about spiritual gifts. While it speaks about spiritual gifts, it's not simply about spiritual gifts. That there is actually something deeper at play here, something that Doug would bring up if he were to go to the church in Corinth. I want to propose today that underneath the topic of spiritual gifts in Chapter 12, at the heart of the issue is the issue of division, the issue of division and unity. You see, if there's one thing that we've learned about the Corinthian church is that we know that they know how to make differences between them a cause for division among them. Differences between them they make a cause for division among them. They seem to be experts at it. If you've been following with um, the this entire series, which started, I don't know how long ago, um, this is one of the recurring themes. It comes up over and over again, an overarching theme of this letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth, a divided church. Paul says all the way back in chapter 1, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there may be no divisions among you, but that you may be united in the same mind and the same judgment. The Corinthian church was a community in conflict. It was a community divided, a community that was, had, was made up of factions. And at the source of this conflict seems to be that the competitive, power-grabbing, status-seeking, ladder-climbing culture of Corinth had seeped into the culture of the church. The culture of the city had seeped in to the culture of the church. Corinth, like many places, and indeed like Vancouver, was a hierarchical society. It was a stratified society, with the powerful making their way to the top, often On the backs of the less powerful, the strong oppressing the weak, the wise despising the foolish. Because the Corinthian church looked more like Corinth than the church was supposed to look like, because the Corinthian church looked like Corinth than the church, the church had also become hierarchical. It had become stratified. The more gifted and the less gifted. The more spiritual and the less spiritual. Those with the more impressive spiritual gifts. Those with the less impressive spiritual gifts. This diversity and variety of gifts that we saw in the last few weeks has become yet another avenue for division in the church. Another avenue for disunity. There's a tension between the diversity of the church and the unity of the church. And it isn't just a Corinthian problem. In fact, I I would suggest that it's not even a church problem. It's more of a, a problem of any community that tries to hold these two things in tension diversity and unity. We see this tension, don't we, everywhere? We see it in organizations, we see it in nations. We see it in leagues of nations, the European Union, uh, the EU, for example, they have a motto and their motto is this, United in diversity. Now, I don't know if you can tell from my accent where I'm from, I'm from uh, Britain. And if you know anything about Britain and the EU and Brexit, it just goes to show how difficult unity is in diversity. How can we be united despite the various differences among us? What I want us to see in our text today is that Paul is going to introduce a metaphor, a metaphor of the physical body as a way of helping the church navigate this tension of unity and diversity. Now, before we get into it, I want to just say this the metaphor of the physical body isn't unique to Paul. If you read a lot of ancient literature, the metaphor of the body is used often. In fact, even before Paul, the body was suggested as a helpful guiding metaphor for how a community should function together. Plato, for example, the the famous Greek philosopher uses the metaphor of the body when he speaks about politics as he's describing a a well-ordered society. If If you move further afield to India, where my wife Sarah was born, one of the oldest surviving forms of social ordering is the Hindu caste system, which you may have heard of. Now the Hindu caste system divides people into categories based on which part of Brahma, one of their gods, which part of Brahma which part of his body they come from. So at the top of the hierarchy in the Hindu caste system are the Brahmins, who were mainly teachers and intellectuals, and they supposedly came from Brahma's head. How convenient. All the way down through the body to the shudras, who are the laborers those who were supposed to have come from Brahma's feet. And if you know anything about the Hindu caste system, you'll have heard of the untouchables, also known as the Dalits. They're even lower than the Shudras. They're beneath the feet. They're not even part of the body. They're the street sweepers and the toilet cleaners and so forth. So the body metaphor is not unique to Paul, even in the ancient world. But what is unique to Paul is the metaphor of the body of Christ only paul uses the metaphor of the body of christ see christ city you are not just anybody you are christ's body do you know that you are not just any old body you are christ's body And that's what I want you to see this morning. I want to propose that the Apostle Paul doesn't simply adopt the metaphor of the body for some sort of social cohesion among us or ordering us in the community or figuring out how each of you is useful. But excuse the pun, I think he takes the body metaphor and turns it on its head. So, three points this morning to help us navigate this text. Here's the three points for the note-takers among you. Number one, A united body, number two, a diverse arrangement, and number three, a divine masterpiece. Number one, a united body, number two, a diverse arrangement, and number three, a divine masterpiece. So, number one, a united body. In verse 12, we read this For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is. With Christ. For in one spirit you were all baptized into one body Jews or Greeks or slaves or free and all were made to drink of one spirit. So, Paul introduces the metaphor of the body to help illustrate the point that he has been making in the previous verses. That's why we start with four. So we look back, see what it's there for. For just as the body is one and has many members. All the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. If you um, weren't here in the previous weeks, or you've forgotten the point that Paul was making, the point was this, that despite the variety of gifts that are available to us, the variety of spiritual gifts that Brandt spoke about last week as he went through all nine of them, and that's not even the exhaustive list, Despite the variety of spiritual gifts among us, there is only one giver. If you remember, Paul repeats the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. He repeats it over and over again, I think it's six times in eight verses, in order to reiterate to a divided church that the gifts of the Spirit are all from one source. So irrespective of the differences in gifting between them, they are all supposed to be on the same team. And this week, we're reminded again of that truth, but I think actually we're reminded on a more fundamental level. Not only are there differences in spiritual gifts between us, there are lots of differences between us. It's not just the spiritual gifts that dive show our diversity there's lots of diversity among us lots of cultural identifiers that would have marked them out as different from one another so some came to the church historically as jewish some came to the church as as gentiles or greeks or barbarians or or slaves or free some were rich wealthy banks full some were poor banks empty. And Paul reminds them that despite these things, despite these various ways by which they were categorized and stratified by heritage or by talent or by social position in the culture of Corinth, that none of that contributed to their inclusion in the church. None of that contributed to to their inclusion in the church, from the rich to the poor, from the highest in society to the lowest in society, from the experts among them to the amateurs among them, from Greeks and barbarians, from the religious leaders in the synagogues to the prostitutes on the street. All of them, every single one of them, entered the body of Christ, not by heritage or social standing or effort, but by the grace of a merciful God. They were brought into the church by grace through faith in Jesus. In Christ City, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. That is as true today as it was back then. Now, I don't know many of you. I know some of you. I don't know many of you. What I do know of you guys is lots of accomplishments here, lots of high achievers. Some people, you got money. I don't know those people. Some of you have money. Some of you have real social status. In the city, maybe. Maybe you're well known. I'm sure there's people here who have achieved a lot and have done a lot, accomplished a lot. Many accolades, degrees upon degrees upon degrees. PhDs. Multiple letters at the end of your name that show people what you have achieved in this life. And all of that is wonderful. But none of it contributed to your acceptance in the church. None of it. You see, irrespective of who you are in the world, your story of entering this church community is the same as everyone else. You were a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus died in order that you might exchange what you brought, which was your sin, for what he brought, which was his righteousness. When you place your trust in him, in doing so, you were brought into this new family, this community, the church, the the body of Christ. not because of who you are or what you've done, or who you're not or what you haven't done. We have all been saved by grace, unmerited favor, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ city the Apostle Paul reminds us this morning that we aren't just any body we are Christ's body we are united together by the saving work of a wonderful Savior we are united in Jesus our identity here, your identity here, who you are as part of this community is defined by who you are in Christ and not by the differences between us or the gifting between us or a heritage or social standing or whatever else we are tempted to use to define us and ultimately divide us. Point one this morning, we are a united body because we are the body of Christ, not just anybody. Second point this morning, a diverse arrangement Paul having reminded the church that they are indeed the church They needed to be reminded and sometimes we need to be reminded We are not a social club, we are indeed the church We are the body of Christ He is now going to point out to them how their behavior is at odds with this identity How their behavior is at odds with this identity How their actions are actually counteracting how they are supposed to act Let's read from verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And picking up in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. What's Paul doing Paul affirms that we are the body of Christ, but now he is illustrating through the voice of its members, the feet and the ear and the eye and the head, what they think about themselves or how they perceive themselves. First thing we hear the members doing is questioning whether or not they belong as part of the church. Now maybe you felt like that before. Do I really belong here? maybe you felt like that today is this really where i'm supposed to be do i really fit here maybe you felt like you haven't belonged in various places i have my uh my uncle uncle paul or murray as He's nicknamed is a retired Royal Marine officer, which is the UK Special Forces. And so, obviously, me and my brothers, as we were growing up, we idolised him. We were like, "This—he's way cooler than our dad." Um, and in my family, when you turn 16, so I'm one of three brothers, when you turn 16, you would go and spend the summer with Uncle Paul um, as a bit of a rite of passage, a kind of coming, becoming a man type thing. Um, Bearing in mind, my uncle lived in a rural part of the UK and I lived in the concrete jungle that is South London. I am a complete city boy. It was awesome. We uh, did rock climbing and we did abseiling and bushcraft and went to the military base. And one of the things that we did with my uncle was um, we went with him and a bunch of his marine pals his marine buddies uh, and we did a, like a survival course, like a like a weekend survival course, and we went camping in the woods. Yeah, as you can imagine, the city boy was useless. I knew um, I knew how to play soccer and video games, and I was in the woods with marines who were all jacked and skilled and all those things and manly, with all of which I wasn't or am not now. Um, I felt really out of place. The last straw was on the first night we, we set up camp and um, I opened my bag and realized that my mum, yes, my mum packed my bag. I was 16. Yeah, I should have packed my bag. Uh, my mum packed my bag. Yeah, this this is adding to the point that I was a city boy. I was naive, and my mum packed my bag. And I opened the bag, and my mum had packed a multicoloured IKEA sleeping bag for me to sleep in. I'm hanging around with these marines who have all got all the gear, and the, you know they're all in green and camo. I pull out a multicoloured sleeping bag from IKEA. I felt so embarrassed, I came to become a man, I didn't leave becoming a man. Let me tell you, Marines, they're they're not gentle in their response, I got mocked for the entire trip and uh, it was a disaster, I've never felt so embarrassed, so out of place, so much like I didn't belong. It's horrible, it's not a nice feeling to feel, I'm sure. Maybe you've felt that before. Maybe you feel like that in the church. You turn up and you think all oh, these guys have camo and gear. and I've brought my IKEA sleeping bag. <laughs> Maybe you're looking around at other people's giftings and you're thinking I really don't fit in here. I'm so different. What these guys seem to value here, I don't have. And what I have, these guys don't seem to value. Or maybe you've been on the other side of the fence, as verse 21 points out. Not just feeling excluded, but wanting to exclude others because they're different. Maybe you are the marine in the story. (laughs) You see the young kid pulling out a multicolored sleeping bag and you think, this person really does not belong here. It's like the eye saying to the hand, I have no need of you. If we thought either of these things, like we don't belong or they don't belong, Paul is going to challenge us this morning. He's going to challenge us in two ways. The first way is he's going to show us how naive this thinking is, how naive it is. Look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? The human body, Paul says, has a wonderful complementary variety of members and senses. And when we exclude ourselves because we're different or we exclude others because they are different, it is as if we are physically impairing the body. We are physically impairing the body. Christ City, you need to know that the body lacks something if you exclude yourself. You have something to bring here. When you hold back in sharing what God has given you graciously because you think it's not valued here, you are impairing the body. You know what's funny? Eyes don't know when it smells bad. Think about that. That's what Paul is saying. Eyes don't know when it smells bad. If it stinks in this community and you smell it and no one else is pointing it out, it might be because there's a bunch of eyes here and you're a nose. Let me give a less abstract example. If you think the church is not doing enough with regards to hospitality... And you've noticed it. It might be because you have the gift of hospitality and other people don't. You know, and it works the other way around as well. If you think, you look at other people's giftings and you think, oh, why is this person spending all this time in theology and abstract theology and stuff like that? I'm not naming any names, but doing Bible studies and stuff like that. We need to get out there and do justice and mercy in our city. We do. You might have been the one gifted to do that. And they're the ones gifted to study scripture to make sure that we do that well. When we minimize or downplay or even reject those gifted differently to us so that we see no need for the person sitting next to us. We think, they don't really add anything here. We are impairing the body of Christ. Paul says, literally, it's senseless. It's senseless, it's naive, it hinders the work of the church it, it makes us hobble when we're supposed to run It makes us blind to just how blind we are sometimes And so here's the question Have you excluded yourself To the detriment of this community? Are you complaining about what the body lacks While not leaning into the gifts that God has graciously graciously given you so that the body wouldn't lack it or have you excluded others either intentionally or unintentionally to the detriment of the church christ city when we exclude ourselves or others we are hurting the body of christ we are impairing the body of christ and it's naive of us but paul is not only going to suggest that it's naive he's going to show us that it's arrogant it's arrogance. Look at verse 18 with me. Paul says, but as it is, God arranged the members of, in this body, each one of them as he chose. You see that? Who decides who is here and what gifts they have? Who decides the members of the body of Christ? Who is it that arranges the members, each one of them as he chooses? Christ City, it isn't you. It isn't you. You see, what we have in these verses are two contrasted designs of a body, two contrasted arrangements of a body. One is a body arranged by us, and it's a body that is all eyes or all ears. It's a grotesque body that we might see hanging out some Kitsilano house during Halloween. And on the other side, we have a body arranged by God. It's a body that sees and hears and works and walks and speaks and thinks, each working together, complementing each other in a reciprocal, harmonious, glorious relationship. It's a picture of beauty because it's designed by a beautiful God. Think about it, the same God who designed and arranged the heavens and the earth the same God who conceived of solar systems and ecosystems, the same God who arranged the laws of physics and the complexity of the brain and consciousness, that same God is the one who has designed this body, who has designed the church. But as it is, Christ City, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Just as last week we heard that God apportions the gifts sovereignly, distru- distributing a variety of gifts for the common good, so too this week we see again the sovereign hand of God who both calls us and arranges us and gifts us and chooses us. And in this is both a comfort and a challenge to us in the way that we think. The comfort is that you... You are here because God has uniquely gifted you to contribute to this community for his glory and for our good. You belong here. But the challenge is this. If you have ever said, I don't belong here or they don't belong here, you are saying you know better than God and you don't. I think that pastor Paul would say that it's not only naive it's arrogant. Look at what Paul says in another letter in Romans in Romans 12 he says for by the grace given to me i say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that god has assigned. For as in one body we have many members And the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Church, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. you see that? All the same components as we have in First Corinthians 12, gifts given to us, assigned sovereignly by God, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, but with humility, not pseudo-humility that says, I don't belong here, I have nothing to give, but with true humility that says, God has apportioned me gifts to contribute to the common good not pseudo humility that excludes us from this community but true humility that says let us use our gifts all that God has given us let us use the diverse gifts among us as members of one body so that it could be not this grotesque vision of our own making but this beautiful vision of God's so we've seen that we are Christ's body united Not by anything in us, but by God's gracious invitation to us in Christ. And we've seen that in this unity, it is God who decides the people, the gifts, and the parts that we play in this community. We have a united body, but a diverse arrangement according to God's sovereign plan. But lastly today, I want us to look at how it all works together. How it all gels together. My last point, a divine masterpiece. A divine masterpiece. So I said at the start, the tension of unity and diversity is not unique to the church. It's not unique to the church. But what is unique to the church is how we are united in Christ and how we think about our diversity, that it has been sovereignly ordained by a good God. And it's this uniqueness that is going to change how our unity and diversity function Together, look at, verses, look at verse 22 with me. On the contrary, parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts we treat with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Verse 24, the word translated composed there, that God has composed, has so composed the body. That word is and almost like a mixing together, a mixing together of a compound. The New Testament scholar Anthony Thistleton describes it like this. He says, the picture here is of a craftsman mixing a compound, or of a musician composing a harmony, or of a divine agency creating a body by combining elements to form a compound. You see what Paul is saying. He's saying we're supposed to think of this body, this community that is united by God, chosen by God, gifted by God, as being orchestrated by God to interact in the way that he ordains we interact with one another. Like God is an artist and we are the colors and he mixes us in such a way to create this masterpiece, to put on display the vision of the artist. That's what the church is, to put on display the glory of the artist. Or oh God it is a music conductor, like Alvin. And we are the instruments, each with a part to play arranged in harmony to create this glorious symphony in the world around us. So how are we to interact together? as members of this body? How are we to conduct our lives as we respond to Jesus, the great conductor of our lives? What is the picture that God is trying to paint with this church? Have you thought about that? What is the picture that God is trying to paint with this church in Kitsalana? As I said at the start, Paul turns the body metaphor on its head. And more accurately, he turns us the way we should be. He turns us back the right way up. You see, in most communities, in most social orders, in most groups, the weaker members, by virtue of them being weaker, become less important. But Paul says, not so with us, church. In the church, the weaker members are indispensable. In most communities, those deserving of less honor get less honor because they deserve less honor. But Paul says, not so with us, church. Not here. Here to them, we give them more honor because they need it. Here, the weak aren't put to work by the strong, but the strong willingly care for the weak. Here, the rich don't look down on the poor, but the rich give of their abundance to help those who have less. Here the blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. That's who we are, church. Christ said, we're supposed to be different to the other communities. We're not supposed to look like the tennis club or the sailing club. Or any of those other clubs in kits that I could never be a part of because I'm too poor. (laughs) The church, Paul says, is not a place where you come and get what you deserve and leave when you've got what you wanted. It's a place where you come to get what you need and give out what you have received. This is the culture of the church in Christ City. This is the culture of the church because it's the culture of the cross. It's the culture of the cross. We are to be like our Lord Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men And being found in human form he humbled himself By becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross Christ city as we think about ourselves as the body of Christ We must have in view the broken body of Christ Who gives of himself for others who was broken in love for others who was poured out for those who needed him given graciously in love to those who need us let me close with this if you're not a Christian here today welcome you're invited to be a part of this community not you brought anything that is gonna gain your way in Nothing of who you are out in the world is going to include you or exclude you. You are welcomed here. You are invited here. I would encourage you, if you want to be a part of the body of Christ, it starts with accepting the Lordship of Christ in your life. And as you are united with Christ, you are united with this community. If that's you, then I invite you to speak to the person you came with, speak to uh, one of the team here, but don't leave here without not responding to that invitation because you can belong here. But if you are a Christian here today, let me just say this. We, all of us, are united in Christ. And in being united with Christ, we are also united together. This isn't simply an abstract metaphor. This is a spiritual reality. Paul ends our verses today And I'm ending in verse 26, you'll have the rest next week. Paul ends our verses today with this. He says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. One of the effects of being part of our city's culture is that we think of ourselves as individuals that occasionally interact with other people, other individuals, based on when it benefits us or suits us or doesn't inconvenience us too much and maybe sometimes we start to think of the church like that. The sort of thinking that leads to people thinking I'm a Christian but I just don't want anything to do with the church. The image that we're given this morning is to say that a Christian disconnected from the church is like a severed limb. It's like a severed limb. A severed limb that needs to be reattached to the church community. Maybe that's you this morning. First time back at church, maybe for the first time in a long time because you don't want to be part of the church. Don't be a severed limb. If you're united with Christ, you are united with the church. And in being united to Jesus, we are united together. In being united together, we have obligations to one another obligations to one another and so as we think about our walk with jesus as you think about your walk with jesus your your life in the spirit i want you to be reminded that your spiritual life matters not just to you but it matters to us it matters to the body Dietrich bonhoeffer the german theologian puts it like this we are members of a body not only when we choose to be but in our whole existence Every member serves the whole body either to its health or to its destruction. This is no mere theory, it is a spiritual reality. And the Christian community has often experienced its effects with disturbing clarity. Sometimes destructively and sometimes fortunately. Christ City, we are the body of Christ. United in Christ, arranged and orchestrated by him working together to put his glory on display in the city. Let me pray. Father, would you give us that vision of who we are as a church? Not as any old body, but as your body. And would you give each individual member here A reminder that they belong, that what they have is needed, that it adds to the whole. That you, God, have sovereignly ordained their gifts, gifted them graciously in order that they might be a part of what is going on here. And Father, would you help us to not look like the world, to not look like our city, but to follow your lead in loving generously for the other giving of ourselves, of pouring ourselves out for the weaker, for the so-called less honourable. For your glory we pray. Amen.